Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Bears Over Beers, a special frenemies episode. I'm joined by a couple of writers from across the NFC North, a couple of guys that I have written five questions with articles in the past, one from the Vikings, one from the Packers, and one from the Lions. Gentlemen, welcome to Bears Over Beers. Glad to be here. So what we're going to do is we're going to go around the room. You guys can introduce yourselves and... As you do so, please introduce the beverage that you brought on, and uh, and then I will introduce my beverage, and then we'll get into this thing. So why, we are going to go with age before beauty. So, Ted, why don't you start us off? Oh, here we go. We haven't even started, and we're already going. <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. My name's uh, Ted Glover. For, uh, I used to write for the SB Nation site uh, for the Vikings, the Daily Norseman. Um, I, I quit writing about 2020 and started moving over into the full-time podcast blog realm on, on youtube i have a show with a good friend of mine uh drew and his wife ruby it's called vikings report drew and ted we're on weekly uh during the seasons on fridays uh during the off season now that we're in off season mode we're uh we're on saturdays and we do a couple live live spots we're going to do a, a live uh, uh broadcast the first two nights of the draft uh, maybe one or two before then so and i am drinking uh because uh as ryan so pointed out we're all uh fat guys with glasses, uh, I am drinking a Blue Moon White Sky Citrus Wheat this evening. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mike, what about you? Well, I'm uh, uh, Mike Payton. I write for Pride of Detroit. I'm sure everybody already knows me. I'm super famous and everybody <laughs> sure, sure. sings my praises wherever I go. Uh, now, I, I'm a columnist over at Pride of Detroit. I've been there for quite a while. Um, always love interacting with uh, with you guys and uh, – I am drinking the Fudgy Kruger oh. from uh, Big Lake Brewing here in town in, in Holland, Michigan. It's an oatmeal stout, and it is delicious. Oh, that that's right up my alley. That is that is a JB beer, as we call it around here. All right, and Matt, finally, what are, what about you? Introduce yourself and the beer you have. Uh, my name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Uh, I make memes and some content for Action Hacking <laughs> Company, the SB Nation Packers website. Uh, I'm currently in Kansas where we're having a monstrous windstorm and my internet went out. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking, what is this? This is Walnut River Irish Red called Warbeard. It's whatever, it's local to where I'm at in <laughs> Kansas, I guess. Which, as you've described before, is basically in the middle of nowhere. Um, and you say call you Matub, but uh, you like went under a big transformation in the last couple of years and now you're like all in shape and stuff. So, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, well, Matub's been my nickname since I was in high school. But yeah, in 2018, 
um, 20, between 2018 and 2019, I lost 80 pounds. Now I uh, spend a lot of time lifting. I really like being strong. It's fun. Unfortunately, I found a few of those uh, pounds that you lost <laughs> since that time, and I would like to give them back or give them to somebody else. Uh, so I am Jeff Burkus. I'm a writer at Windy City Gridiron and do podcasts and stuff. And I brought on a Chicago beer because I figured only appropriate in a frenemies episode. This is from Pipeworks Brewing Company, and this is called the Pastrami on Rye. Oh. I am incredibly excited about this. This is a collaboration with Manny's Cafeteria and, and Deli. And it is a rye ale with smoked malt, brown sugar, black pepper, coriander seed, red pepper, and mustard seed. Which, why would you put all those things in a beer? I don't know. But pastrami on rye is my favorite sandwich. So high expectations for this beer. And I'm really excited for it. So cheers to you, gentlemen. Should be nice and salty. Yeah, smoky, salty. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. So this is uh, an exciting beer. And again, I just came back from a trip. I had a whole bunch of beers. I didn't know where they were from. I looked at this one. I was like, oh, it's from Chicago. Okay, perfect. This is what I'm bringing on. So, all right. So we're going to do uh, a little bit of a round robin, basically talk about the NFC North. What does this division look like right now? Obviously, the Packers have really owned this division for a while. Is that going to change? Uh, you know, who are we worried about who are we kind of snickering about like what what's going on from each fan base perspective guys that cover the fan base how do they see the rest of the division i'm really curious to see how this works out so i want to start with the lions so so mike we're going to start with you i've got um a few questions but i want you to kind of start and basically give the the state of the lions address to the rest of the nfc north okay uh, well, I could do the state uh, of the Lions address, or I could wait until next Tuesday to go on Pat McAfee's show and say absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, however you guys want it. I'll just do it here. Okay. Uh, so basically, you know, the Lions are a rebuilding team um, in every every sense of the word. They they were torn apart after Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn left. They lost Matthew Stafford. They lost their entire wide receiving core. They, they lost everybody. I mean, everyone's gone. Um, and right now it is just all about getting that team back to, to or, or just to being good for the first time ever, maybe. Uh, so right now it's all about using those draft picks. It's all about using the money that they have. They finally have money for once. So I would be uh, – I'm excited for the future of the Lions, but they're not going to win the Super Bowl or anything this year. So let me start at the top. So Dan Campbell, so I was at the Senior Bowl, and obviously the Lions got to, to coach one side of, of the Senior Bowl. And so Dan Campbell is there, and I you know, was standing a couple feet from I was incredibly disappointed <clears throat> that he did not have his Dan Campbell uh, caffeinated uh, order in front of him because I wanted to like get a picture of that and make fun of it on Twitter. But he said he had just rolled out of bed and basically was running late to this to this press conference and uh, he didn't get the coffee yet so anyway tons of tons of lions reporters down there because dan campbell's there and a lot of really positive vibes around the dan campbell coaching uh you know staff around his approach around how much he's bleeding for this team so so my question to you is dan campbell the guy I think he absolutely is the guy. And I know, like, look, I'm a Lions fan first. You know, I've been a fan of this team my entire life. I don't know how many times I've said, 
this is the guy. I've said it before. I know I have. I said it about Jim Caldwell. I've said it about a few other guys. But Dan Campbell absolutely, to me, is the guy. He's changed the culture of this Lions team drastically. I mean, this is a team that, again, they got torn apart after Patricia and Quinn left last year. And the morale was so low in Detroit, not just on the team, but with the fans and everything. There was, I mean, people were leaving in droves, just did not want to be fans of this team anymore. And almost overnight, he came and changed the entire outlook of this entire franchise. They, they put installed a culture. They had the players. I mean, we're talking like practice squad guys who were not going to get a shot to play, got a shot to play, played their heart out all season long, despite starting 0-10. And it's just, it's the weirdest thing. I've never been so excited about a three-win team. And the Lions absolutely uh, are, are going the right way with this rebuild, and it's because of Dan Campbell. He promised a lot of kneecaps being bitten, and I didn't really see that happening uh, you know, on the field. But I, I do want to ask you specifically if Lions fans are, are starting to take the, the Dan Campbell caffeine challenge. Is that a thing that you have tried on your podcast? And if not, why not? No, I've never done cocaine before, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure other people have tried it. But uh, no, he that is I don't do caffeine, man. It, it messes me up. I But I, a lot of people around the beat have tried it and and the results have not been great. I, I mean, you got to be a real pro to, to consume that much caffeine all in one sitting, essentially. So you got you mentioned Matthew Stafford. He he gets shipped off in the offseason to uh, to L.A. Obviously, he wins the Super Bowl a year removed from that. Was that the right thing to do? And what were your feelings, your personal feelings? What was the fan base's feeling seeing him win that Super Bowl for L.A.? Yeah. So as far as the trade goes, you know, I mean, obviously, I would have loved for Matthew Stafford to stay. He was he's I think he's my favorite player that's ever played for the Lions. And, you know, this is an organization that had Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. I've just always really loved Matthew Stafford. So sad to see him go. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to rebuild. And and the Lions were not going to rebuild with Matthew Stafford. He wasn't going to stay. It just wasn't going to work out. This gives them a chance to start all over again, even with Jared Goff on the team. It gives them a chance to start all over again. They got the draft picks two first round draft picks over the next two years. I mean, that's that, that goes a long way when you're trying to rebuild a team, when you have extra assets, that certainly works. Um, and what was your second question? I'm sorry. Just w- what were your feelings about seeing him win the Super Bowl? Yeah. So it was conflicted. Um, it's been really weird around Detroit right now because again, I, I liked Maddie Stafford a lot and I spent a lot of my uh, eight years doing this, defending Matthew Stafford and trying to convince people that he was a good quarterback. And so I feel somewhat vindicated that that finally happened. But at the same time, you know, it's conflicting because it's like watching someone else live your dream. You know, it's you, you, you really wanted to see Matthew Stafford hoist that Lombardi trophy over his head as a member of the lions. And when that doesn't happen, you watch him do it with another team. It's like watching your girlfriend go to date Chris Hemsworth or something like it, it sucks. Um, but and then and then on top of that, Lions fans, some of them reacted super weird and like kind of acted like this was their victory and started buying <laughs> things like there's these D- Detroit Rams shirts uh, that the, some of the stores around here were selling. It was really embarrassing. I, I, uh, I don't know why why you would want to do that, but a lot of Lions fans took this victory as as it was their own. You know, back in the war years in the 40s. 
there were a couple of occasions where two teams uh, came together and they, yeah. they played under one, you know, so the Car- Cardinals and Pittsburgh came together one year and then the Steagles, Steagles yeah, yeah, the Steagles came together. So maybe that's what, that's what they were channeling was, was uh, this. Uh, you well, know, it was a little Lions different because at least Pittsburgh and Philly are, you know, in the same state. <laughs> True. So last one, and I'll open it up to the other two guys to ask you a Lions related question. This quarterback class is right now, it's kind of being talked about as a little bit of a weak quarterback class. Malik Willis was down at the Senior Bowl. He's pretty impressive in terms of an athlete, guy that probably needs some time in the NFL to adjust to the game. Are you interested in using that top pick that the Lions have to to, to bring him in and sit him behind Jared Goff? Or are you guys kind of thinking about you know waiting on quarterback? It really depends. I think I think if you're going to do a quarterback this year, it probably has to be Malik Willis. I know that a lot of people like Sam Howell or Matt Corral or some of the other guys, Ritter. But I think I think Willis is probably has the most upside, the most talent of any quarterback. That's I think he's a lot like you know your quarterback Justin Fields. I think there's a lot, lot there. But obviously, I think he needs a little bit more time than Justin did to uh, to get out there and embarrass himself. Um, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, um, no, I, I I think I don't I don't think if you're going to do Malik Willis, you should you should not do it mm-hmm. too. Um, I, you got you, You're going to be up there with the two top pass rushers, and the Lions desperately need somebody who can get to the quarterback because they haven't had that in a while. So if you have a shot at Hutchinson or Thibodeau, you got to take it. And, but if they want to trade down and maybe draft Malik Willis, you know, maybe trade down with like the Jets, for example, and draft Malik Willis at ten or take Jermaine Johnson at four or something like that. I mean, I'm all for that. I just don't think that. I just don't know how I feel about him taking a, a quarterback at two, especially one that's not going to play right away. Uh, but then again, he might not get out of that top 10. So who knows? Yeah. Let's see what the narratives play out here. Ted, Matt, you have any questions for Mike before we move on to Vikings? I got, I got one. Um, Mike, how long, how, how much time does Dan Campbell have? I mean, I, I know, I know the lions, like you said, they, they completely tore down to the foundation um, and, and Campbell has really got, the Lions buying into what he's saying and he's got the fans behind him. At, at what point does he have to start winning? Is it is it like 2022 you better start seeing results like five, six, seven wins and just continual improvement before? Uh, because, I mean, the Lions have just not had success with with coaches in, in recent history. And what are your thoughts on uh, the greatest Ohio State linebacker in, in history being in your front office and Chris Spielman? <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll answer the Spielman thing first because I absolutely love that Chris is here and and I love that the the Fords. One of their biggest complaints that the Lions fans have had for the Fords all these years is that there hasn't really been anybody who has a bunch of football knowledge in places where you know they could be used. And now that Sheila Ford Hamp has taken over, she she put Chris Spielman in in a place. She put uh, Barry Sanders in in place. They, they hired John Dorsey. They, they put a lot of people around the front office that know about football. And that's, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, and then as for the other thing, uh, what did you ask me? I'm sorry. I'm half drunk here. Guys. At, at what, at what point does, does Matt Campbell's goodwill oh, have to start it. turning into wins? Yeah. So I think that, you know, the problem with, with the Lions three win season this year is they kind of put themselves ahead of schedule a little bit because usually you don't expect a, a culture to be built in this hardcore, this fast 
in a rebuild. You you would think that would maybe take a little bit of time, especially when after you've built a roster. But like, I think I think the Lions need to. I think Dan Campbell needs to produce wins, maybe a playoff appearance by at least year four, or uh, or it's time to kind of cut bait. But I mean, they have him under a six year deal. Him and Brad Holmes, the Lions' new GM. So I think that they see that this is a you know a process that's going to take a little while. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. If the Lions make the playoffs next year, he's going to get an extension. I bet. Well, let's Ted. Let's let's stick with you and let's talk about the state of the Vikings. Why don't you run down where the Vikings are at right now? Man. <laughs> uh, okay, so you guys remember about early 1861, the country was torn asunder. Um, sure. By, by Civil War. We were there. We were all there. Um, Vikings, the Vikings fan base is is kind of undergoing the same fractional split between the pro-Kirk Cousins camp and the let's get rid of Kirk Cousins camp. Um, and and really that's that's the inflection point that the Vikings, and that is that is the question that um the new general manager, Quasi Adolfo Mensa and and head coach um Kevin O'Connell have to answer, what are they going to do with Kirk Cousins? I mean, if one of the big differences I would argue between um, a new coach for the Vikings right now and, and, and a situation Dan Campbell came into last year is that there's talent on this team and they were eight, and nine, and they were, you know, they had a bad defense and you could talk about, well, the, 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 I hate the, well, if they did this and you know, they're like four plays from like 12 and five or whatever, however many games they play now. You know, they were also four plays from from five and 12, too. Right. I mean, depending on how you want to look at it. So there's there's talent on this team, but but how much of it and how realistic do you think a new guy coming in in, in Kevin O'Connell can just having the new attitude and the new, you know, shiny, happy people attitude with with everything turn turn all that around. And depending on how you answer that sort of depends on what you want to do with Kirk Cousins. Um, it, you know, the last few years of the of the Spielman and Mike Zimmer regime, the, the Vikings never really committed to a, a full a full rebuild. They, they signed guys um, like Kyle Rudolph and Harrison Smith and, and Everson Griffin to, to extensions that that got them into some cat trouble. And, and they tried to run it back with the same guys thinking, you know, we went to the NFC championship in seven, 2017, brought in Kirk and he was he was advertised to be the missing piece. And now you look at it and they've missed the playoffs three out of four years. So if, if you're, I'm, I'm of the belief that I think you need to trade Kirk cousins, get what you can get some cap relief, and then you can focus on other areas of the team and try and find your guy in the draft, either this year or next year and go with a, with a bridge quarterback. You, you know, you look at the Stafford trade last year, it was a, a starting quarterback for a starting quarterback. You know, you, you, there, there's rumors out there about Cleveland and, and, um, possibly San Francisco and maybe Miami and Carolina apparently called the Vikings, you know, I'm like, yay, Sam Darnold, whatever. But I mean, there's just, <laughs> I, I love Baker. Yeah. You know, that is a great, I, I love, I, I would love Baker Mayfield. I, I honestly would. I, if he's healthy, I think he can be a, a, a pretty decent option for a short term for a short, short term guy. But that's kind of where the Vikings are. I mean, it's, it's, it's either jump in with both feet on, on a rebuild and try and make that, you know, accept maybe a five or six win season next year with the hopes of turning it around in, in 2023 or or talk yourself into believing that 
this is a team that that's closer than people think and and go from there. And I, it's going to be interesting to see what what Kevin O'Connell and, and Adolfo Mensa are going to do because you know he, his introductory press conference he said, hey, we're going to try and go to a three four defense. Vikings run a four three for almost my entire life. And so that that is another set of personnel changes that you're going to have to take into consideration as well. So it's it will be interesting to see what they do. How many of you guys have seen the movie Swingers with Vince Vaughn? Oh, right here. I can't say that I have. No, it's uh, it's money. It's so money, and it doesn't I, even know it. I, I I wasn't sure if you you would, Ted, but there's this great line that Vince Vaughn delivers where he says. I don't want you to be the P, the guy in the PG-13 movie. You're just really, he's really nice. And he's really hoping. I want you to be the guy in the rated R movie that, you know, that scores basically. That's Kirk Cousins. He's the guy yes. in the PG-13 movie. He's not going to score in the movie. Like he's not going to take you to the promised land. You need a guy in the yeah. rated R movie that takes care of business. And, and that's how I see him. He's good. I, I mean, I don't, he's not very good against the Bears, but like he's good, but he's not good enough to take you where you want to go. I don't. I don't think he is either. I mean, Kirk's been in the league what ten years now, starting around. I've been in ten, starting eight. I, I and he's he's a he's he's compiled a. I think he's an exactly a five hundred quarterback. And I, I know quarterback wins, and they're not a stat and all that. But no. Nope. But where where Kirk Cousins goes, the team is five hundred. And everybody everybody who backs Kirk says, well, he just needs a better offensive line or if he had a better defense or it's always the next excuse. I mean, and don't forget Rick Spielman and the Minnesota Vikings signed him in 2018 as the missing piece. The, mm -hmm. I mean, people want to start to rewrite history. They got thumped by the Eagles in the NFC championship. And they, they said, we need a quarterback. And that's that they brought everybody else back. The, the, the other 21 guys came back start. And Oh, by the way, they even signed Sheldon Richardson. Um, for their defensive line, which is which was an upgrade over, I think it was Shamar Stefan, but I, I have to go back and double check that to be sure. So they they had everybody back, and they they improved theoretically at quarterback, and they went eight seven and one, and they still had a top ten defense. I mean that wasn't the number one defense like twenty seventeen was. So I'm not blaming everything on Kirk. The last couple of years the defense has regressed. You know the the key players on expensive contracts have gotten old. And it's not all Kirk's fault. He's played well at times, but I, I think well, that's a good analogy. You know, he's he's the he's the PG he's the PG lead guy. He's not he's not going to be he's not going to ever play the Dirk Diggler role. He just isn't. <laughs> he just isn't. He's there. He's, we go. <laughs> No, uh, I don't think I'm that old. I kind of remember. No, hey, yeah. Boogie Nice. Let's let's yeah. Play. Yeah, that's great. But that's Kirk. I mean, he's 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 good enough to make you think the Vikings will be good. Right. So I want to talk about that. The other piece that, you know, you mentioned O'Connell. So after years of Zim Zoo, which I believe is, is your coinage of, of, of Zimmer's, uh, the Zimmer phrase. So, you know, crusty, crusty old guy, right. Mm -hmm. um, really kind of a curmudgeon. And then you, you bring this young, fresh offensive mind in, seems very positive, seems very upbeat. I have this theory about, it seems like, coaches a lot of times you you go out and you get the exact opposite i've seen some of my friends who get divorced and then they go right out into the dating market and they're they hook up with the exact opposite of what they were married to right it's just this opposite theory and that's i don't know that you can get more opposite than uh, of mike zimmer than kevin o'connell so is this an overreaction or do you think this is going to work 
whether it'll work or not, I, I don't know. I don't, nobody knows. But is it an overreaction? No. There, there, there had been a complete fracture in the relationship between Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer and Mike Zimmer and a lot of the players. The, Mike Zimmer was the perfect coach for this team when he got hired. Um, but it, it's a different generation of player and the, and the old school do it my way or the highway with, you know, 400 expletives in one sentence telling somebody how bad they are at doing something doesn't cut it for a lot of players anymore. And, and that it's fine if you're winning and, and the first four years of, of his time here, the Vikings were doing okay. They, they'd won the division twice, went to the NFC championship. Um, but then it just, it just split from 2018 on and, and it just grew tiresome and it, and it, it became not a fun place to be um, by, by accounts of some, some very key leaders on the Minnesota Vikings, like Brian O'Neill, Derek Hendricks. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was very much a, a, a the right change. Um, you know, when, when Vikings hired Quasi Adolfo Mensa and then O'Connell, they said, you know, we want this to be a collaborative place. We want, we want we want the players to to hang out with the coaches and want them uh, to to communicate and talk and and you know bounce ideas off each other and that was not happening in the last few years of of the Mike Zimmer era. So yeah, I, whether it'll work or not, it remains to be seen. But but I don't think it was an overreaction in hiring him. No. And the last one I have, and I'll open it up to the other two guys to ask uh, Ted any questions. But Justin Jefferson is one of my favorite players right now. I just I think he's really fun to watch. He's incredibly talented. Um, where do you put him? He's a top what receiver in the NFL right now? Easily top five, and I think give me some time and and some numbers I could crunch. He could move that up into into the top three. I mean, you've got you've got Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, JJ, Debo Samuel, maybe. Um, Jamar Chase, uh, I mean, and not in any particular order. And, and Debo, you can maybe add or, or subtract based on on him becoming more of a running back this year than a wide receiver. But I still think – I still consider him a wide receiver, just a really incredibly gifted and talented one that can kill you in a bunch of different ways. He's easily a top five, I think. Uh, I okay. mean, uh, anybody who would not say that, I'd kind of have to bow up against that. <laughs> Matt, Mike, you have any questions for Ted? Yeah, I got one. It, um, so I'm just thinking about the uh, so the Patriot way. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get to something here. You'll see. Uh, so I'm just thinking about the Patriot way. I watched it completely destroy the Detroit Lions franchise, and it's gonna soon destroy the Oakland Raiders, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, still not used to that. And uh, and I I just it, it makes me leery of when maybe teams are trying to find the next Patriot way. So when a team hires a coach from the Super Bowl winning team, it it makes me worry, makes me wonder, are they just hiring him because he his team just won a Super Bowl, but he's not really the guy, you know, like Sean McVay is the guy. So I wonder, I mean, does that worry you at all that maybe the Vikings kind of looked at that and shot their shot just because of the Rams? success it it uh it really doesn't like i mean the the patriot way works for belichick but it doesn't work for any of the guys in his coaching tree i mean you mentioned patricia romeo cronell um label was a player under him so he's kind of got some success but um charlie weiss didn't i mean all these guys that you would think would go to new from new england and and kind of start a, a good head coaching career it never blossomed but when you look at the guys that have left McVeigh they've, they've had success Zach Taylor 
I mean, yeah, okay, Joe Burrow, but Zach Taylor got the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Um, Kyle Shanahan and, and, and McVay worked together in Washington. So uh, Kyle Shanahan's had success in San Francisco. Um, uh, the, the, I think the coach for the chargers worked under McVay as well. I didn't, his name escapes me off the top of my head. Brandon Staley. Yeah. yeah, Staley. That's it. Um, and they're, I mean, they're getting better. They've got, but you know, they all, they all got good quarterbacks. So we'll see. I, I, I think Kevin O'Connell. So I, I'm much more confident with that, you know, on a, as a blueprint because it's had success elsewhere than, you know, a, a guy coming off the, off the Patriots staff. Matt. Yeah. Should we talk about the Packers? Um, I do actually, I have one thing for Ted. Oh, go ahead. Um, what do you got? So you talk about uh, the potential for going out for a player's coach and, and having someone who's the opposite of, of the way Zimmer did things for a while. Um, Mike Pettin is not that. And you guys just brought him on as your assistant head coach. Do you think that he will be like the the uh, Zimmer light that keeps things at least somewhat centered in the way they used to be? I, you, you froze up for a minute. You, I, I heard you and then it, everything froze up. Oh, my apologies. Um, so Mike Pettin is very much not a player's coach. He's like 12 hours of film a day kind of guy. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that he'll be able to keep the uh, semblance of the Zimmer way, I guess? <laughs> Um, you know, there, there, were, there were two hires that have been made, and, and Pettin's one of them. The other guy is, is Ryan Grigson, is, is going into the front office, former Colts GM, and I, I kind of scratched my head. But I look at it this way. Pettin is not the defensive coordinator. He, he's he's not he's going to be helping, and, he, and he's – correct me if I'm wrong, but he's got a, a pretty heavy background in the 3-4, which is what the Vikings are going to start implementing. Um, he's, he's not even – he's not even – um, Ed Donatel is going to be the defensive coordinator, not not Pettin. So I I I don't know exactly what his role is going to be, other than maybe an advisor and a guy that brings experience in the NFL, which is good. Um, as long as he's not making the calls on game day uh, and isn't isn't the the main defensive guy to 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 run the practice, I I'm okay with it. We'll see how it goes. So Matt, yeah, this this Packers team, no drama really, that we can think about. But why don't you give us the state of the Green Bay Packers? Um, the state of the Packers is completely up in the air. Um, it, it's all predicated on what Aaron Rodgers chooses to do. The big issue with the Aaron Rodgers situation is, I would say, the misrepresentation by the people with um, an interest in the situation, such as Broncos media, um, Vegas media. Legitimately, if you ask a casual football fan, um, what their take on the Aaron Rodgers situation is. They all think that he's going to be a free agent. Like, like no one thinks that he's actually under contract. And so you get all these pieces that are like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to walk. N- no, he's not. Like, his only his only leverage in this situation is to retire. And if he does, he owes the Packers like $19 million. So what was the rigmarole last year where he, I thought he negotiated basically the right to be able to be traded in this. So offseason. funny enough, uh, he didn't, um, there's really? nothing in writing. It was all handshake gentlemen's agreements. Literally Aaron Rodgers got two things after making a mess last year. He got one year of his contract voided. So he's only under contract through the end of 2022 instead of the end of 2023. And he got Randall Cobb and that's it. He got those two things. Not Jake Kumaro, though. <laughs> Not Jake Kumaro. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny is 
he did actually have a point. We had a we on uh, Acme Packing Company. We kept track of all the players that were cut within a week of Aaron Rodgers complimenting them, and it was six in the last three years. Really, <laughs> that's a kiss of death right there. <laughs> so, just you personally, you can you can reflect on this as like you know what percentage of Packers fans and where they're at and stuff. But like, I'll, I just want to get your opinion here. Do you want him back? Would you like to see the Packers maybe reset here and just kind of move on from this drama? You know, is there corollaries here with the Brett Favre situation? Like, you know, what what is it? Where are you at with this? Um, it is it, it, just like the Favre situation, man. It is split right down the middle. It is 50-50, want him back, 50-50. Like, he punches babies and get him out of town kind of hatred. Um, I'm I'm of the opinion that the team has a much better chance of winning with him than they do without him. Also, the way the cap works nowadays, we've, we've done some math, and you can absolutely run it back and get get the the team back that went um, 13 and 4. Um, you just you kind of screw yourself over in about 2025 with the cap implications. Uh, but Jordan Love is really bad. He's not good. <laughs> and so um, if you if you choose to um, trade Rogers for a King's ransom and begin the rebuild. Now you are legitimately looking at maybe a four win team. And I think that the fans that want that to happen uh, don't know what a four win season looks like for their psyche. I could tell you <laughs> <laughs> give them my number. <laughs> So what about Matt LaFleur? So blink your eyes, and he's now the longest tenured head coach in the NFC North. He's obviously got off to like an incredibly hot start. I mean, he's off to a record that, you know, Vince Lombardi would be jealous of, right? I mean, Curly Lambeau sitting there going like, whoa, I wish I had this kind of success, right? I'm just, I'm trying to throw out history names for you. But George Hallis was like, wow, this dude's good. Yeah, yeah. Hallis is like, he's got a long way to go. And then he would, he would curse because he was actually he was a literal sailor that who's if, I'll tell you what his favorite word is after we stop recording. Uh, but is it a Rogers thing in the system, or is this Matt Lafleur? Like, is he the guy? Is he a legitimate coach that you guys are really excited about being a part of this team for another decade? So uh, Lafleur, I, I really like. I think he's grown exponentially as a coach. Um, People look at his initial press conference and he was nervous and sweaty and awkward. And people are like, this is the guy that's going to lead the Packers. This is the guy that's going to tell Aaron Rodgers to sit down and shut up. And he, within the last three years, became that guy at some point. And he does have a, a very quarterback-friendly system. And when we've seen Aaron Rodgers play his best ball in the last two years, um, it's when playing on time. It's when taking what the offense was designed to give him. I mean, when you look at someone like Robert Tunyon as a tight end who is n- not very good and then uh, is top five in touchdowns in the league last year, and that's, that's scheme, like legitimately just scheming the tight end open. They, they have a lot of um, exotic looks out of simple personnels, and it allows the quarterback to, to make some pretty simple reads. So I think when you get a quarterback who's not terrible – you don't you don't necessarily need Aaron Rodgers to carry you. I do think that LaFleur is the guy. I do think that the players like him. I do think that he has a good nose for bringing in assistance. Like every I can tell you this, everyone at Active Packing Company hated the Joe Barry hire. 
and we ate crow all year. He he did a very good job with what he was given and his his uh, issues with injuries and lack of depth. And I mean, when you lose three all pros on your defense and still come out and and put up, I would say, a middle of the road defense, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, and LaFleur brought that guy in. We all hated him. <laughs> like, uh, so, yeah, moving forward, I think LaFleur is the guy. And I do think that when the team is no longer an Aaron Rodgers team, you are going to see him get a little bit extra leeway uh, for the first couple of years. My last question, I'll open it up to the other two guys, but <clears throat> cheeseheads, which are ubiquitous and, and annoying. What, and you're an expert, you're, you're a cheese maker, a cheese monger. I don't know the correct term, um, but what kind of cheese is the cheese head supposed to be made out of? And then follow up. <laughs> If you had to build a hat out of actual cheese and bring it into the stadium so that you could snack on it and share with your friends, what cheese would you choose to make an actual cheese cheese head out of? So uh, I believe the cheese head, it's, it, well, the problem with the cheese head is it looks like um, what in the industry we refer to as commodity cheddar. Um, there's a standardized, very orange cheddar that everyone has access to make. It's traded on the CME, just like like if you've seen trading places, they're, they're doing that with orange juice. Orange juice. Um, Wait, there's like <laughs> there's, a, there's a cheddar that's that's traded exactly <laughs> like that. Um, but then you've also got the Swiss cheese holes, so it's kind of hard to to um, narrow it down. But if I was to make make a, a cheese sombrero, I would go with something very hearty. Um, I would go with maybe a a gouda that's been aged for about six months. So it hasn't gone completely hard. So there's a little bit of give to it, but it's got some salad, just a minor amount of funk, not a ton of funk, but en like enough to let you know that it's there. But then it's also not offensive to non-cheese eaters. Yeah, I'd go Gouda hat. I don't think, I think it's would be a good idea. Oh boy. I don't know that those non-cheese eaters are allowed in the stadium though. Right? What's that? Is it's a prerequisite for you to love cheese to go to that stadium, right? Sure. Well, you know what? You'd be surprised. Um, the, so the the Packers stadium has two sets of season ticket holders and there's a, a set called gold package and gold package are mostly people from Milwaukee and they tend to sell their tickets a lot. And so if you go to a divisional game in Lambeau, you will see more than 30% opposing fans. Hmm. Guys, gentlemen, you have anything for Matt? I got something. Yeah. Now, this, this is not trash talk. Um, always get to start off that way. This is not trash talk, but, but, but I'm, let's be honest. Like it's not working out. Right. You know, right. The, the Packers, the Packers, obviously a great regular season team faltered in the playoffs. So I just don't know why you would want to, and it's not a total long-term kill of your future, but like, why would you want to kill your future to 2025 on the idea that it's going to work this time instead of, I don't know. I feel like why not cut your losses? You have one of the worst cap situations in the entire league. Cut your losses and see if you can rebuild. And 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 I don't think that's much of a stretch because the Packers happen to be pretty good at rebuilding. I just don't know why you wouldn't want to move on from Aaron Rodgers. A guy controls the entire team. Why not move on, save yourself a lot of money, rebuild what you're good at, and then maybe have somebody who's not such a douchebag. <laughs> well, I mean, I, right, to that, I totally that part was trash talk. <laughs> all right, I totally get where you're coming from, and also like I catch a lot of crap within the Packers sphere because I think Aaron Rodgers is a douchebag. Like, 
love him on the field, really can't stand the dude, regardless of regardless of uh, um, opinion on current affairs or not. He is uh, arrogant and self-centered. And uh, when you are being interviewed by ESPN while complaining about being silenced, those two things don't go together. Those aren't those, it's not like you can't say that you're being silenced to 10 million people. Like <laughs> you can't. Uh, so, yeah, I, like I get, I get where you're coming from. And also the optics of the situation are really bad. But Aaron Rodgers is on back to back MVP seasons. He gives you the shot to get the most bites at the apple. And right now the team is good enough to win a championship now that Mo Drayton is gone. Um, I don't know why Aaron Rodgers spent the divisional game just peeing down his leg. Um, they like people say that all oh, like he can't play against the 49ers. And honestly, he plays usually his worst football against them. But man, that, that game was bitter cold. And he I think the the Mercedes uh, fumble broke him because so I was at the game and he was playing his normal Aaron Rodgers super awesome football. Then the Mercedes fumble happened. Then he shut off. Then he only went after his his safety guys. He only went after his his uh, comfortable targets, which is Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Um, people not named Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams had one reception for six yards or something like that. Um, and so, you know, like as I'm saying this out loud, I'm always like, oh, yeah, like like he understands this and he can fix this. And like, man, we're almost 20 years into this dude's career. Like, like <laughs> maybe he can't. Uh, but regardless of if you start the rebuild now, you're going to be in cap troubles anyway. Um, getting rid of Aaron Rodgers doesn't get you under the, the cap restrictions for the next year. But it helps. And like, we're already going to lose the Darius who didn't really have um, throughout the year anyway. Um, but like, this isn't a really good year to start a rebuild. Like as, as we've already talked about this, like Jordan love would be at worst, the second best quarterback in this draft. And I think he's terrible. Like, and so if you can offload Rogers for picks down the road, I think that's, that's something to consider. But if it's a ton of picks in this draft, I don't, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I guess just to follow that up and I'm not, sorry, I'm hijacking the show here. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. You, you keep Aaron Rodgers. You, you do a bunch of flux on the cap. I don't know how you're going to make Devonte Adams the highest paid receiver in in the NFL. It's, it's going to have like he's, he's going to be the highest paid receiver in the history of the NFL, no doubt about it. I don't know how you're going to do that by also keeping Aaron Rodgers. And then let's say they go to the playoffs and get bounced again in the first round. I mean, are, are you happy with that? Are you going to go through this I mean, again? Are you going to go through this again next year? Or you're, you're, I, I don't know. you're never, you're never happy getting bounced early in the playoffs. It's, it's, um, you know, it's funny though, is Rogers didn't lose an NFC championship game this year. So we got that going for us. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's like, and that's the thing is it's always like, Oh, like we need to do this. We need to do this. The, the Roger stands want to completely put the, the loss on special teams and the Rogers haters want to completely put the loss on him. The, the truth is it's somewhere in the middle. Rodgers played a poor game, which put special teams on the field extra, and they sucked out loud. It was the second worst playoff special teams performance in, in history. Um, the, the Packers special teams was historically bad. You're hoping that next year, like, oh, now that we got that guy away from the Raiders, things will be different. And, and, and yeah, you have to keep telling yourselves every year, like, things will be different, things will be different. But with that said... 
the the future is completely uncertain when your quarterback is uncertain. Uh, now, the Lions have had the the luxury of having a franchise quarterback since two thousand nine, but these other two guys up here understand that that if you don't know what your quarterback future is, you don't know what your league future is. Jared Goff's only been here for a year. I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you have anything for Matt? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Matt, so there's – this was a deal last year, and I, I, I believe it was actually on draft night when it broke that the the Broncos, I believe it was, and, and Green Bay were, like, that close to, to doing a trade. A, do you, do you think um, if he is traded, who would it be? And then is he going to be playing for the Packers next year? So the the, the trade scenario is kind of – an interesting one. So, so you hear all these, these quote unquote Broncos insiders. Um, the two people that were breaking the Broncos news, uh, one works for the team and one works for a radio station that's owned by the team. So I wouldn't necessarily, uh, put them as unbiased sources. Um, the, the radio personality, um, is a notorious name searcher. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a bot that scrapes, auto-generated closed captions looking for people that say his name. So the, I'm not going to start that it, war. Does it um, rhyme with Schmalbright? Yes, it does. <laughs> it's, if, if we called them um, uh, uh, every illuminated <laughs> of that. Um, and it seems to be the only person who's been pushing that narrative really, really, really hard all year. Okay. Um, and not known for being the most trustworthy source now, with that said, there, there's a very famous Ted Thompson quote, and it said, I love reading about insider information because sometimes I'm the only insider and I'm not telling anyone. Like, and Gutekunst is very much the same way. You don't hear real leaks out of Gutekunst's uh, front office. And so if, if the Broncos called the Packers and said, we'd offer you this and this and this, um, we wouldn't know. And there's rumors that like calls have been made and the Packers are quote unquote uninterested. I would honestly, I mean, if, if you were a smart GM and you saw what happened last year, you'd be on the phone with the Packers. Like just to just like, like, Hey man, like, like is Aaron Rodgers for sale? And they would go, no, I'm like, thanks. Have a great day. And then of course it gets leaked to the media. Like, like, Oh man, the, the Dolphins called about Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, yeah, everyone did like, sure. come on. Um, but the Broncos do have a lot of draft capital. They do have a couple ascending young players. And that's the kind of thing you would be looking for in an Aaron Rodgers trade. It would be like the Matt Stafford trade plus. Um, and so you would, you'd be looking at someone like, like a Bradley Chubb or a Jerry Judy or like something like that would have to go along with the uh, picks. And then the thing that I love about that concept is people say, oh, like the Broncos have all these weapons. And it's like, not if they have to trade two of them to, <laughs> to get Aaron Rodgers in the first place. And so with, with all the complaining that he did about his receiver room, if he was sent to a depleted Broncos squad that was depleted just to get him, that would be the ultimate schadenfreude because then he would also be trapped in a division with two quarterbacks who are almost as good as him. Yeah. Well, see, and that and that's my thing. I mean, you know, Rodgers has said he, he – he wants to win another Super Bowl, and and I every team, every rumor you see on Twitter that that ties him to a team, 
I'm sorry, isn't as good as Green Bay if you were to come back to the Packers. I, I just I don't. I just I just think he's either going to play for the Packers or he's going to retire. And, and he's and he's. But that's just me. I I think that so the only th- we did learn one thing today. Um, one thing that we learned on the on the Pat McAfee not announcement is that his fate seems to be tied to Devontae Adams. He implied very heavily that he will say whether he retires or not um, after we find out what happens with Devontae. So there are reports of people saying, oh, he he has said that he'll say it before March 8th. And it's like, no, that's just common sense, that March 8th is when franchise tag season ends. Um, so look out for, for – we find out what happens to Devontae. We find out what happens to Aaron. If the Packers lose Devontae Adams, I think Aaron Rodgers retires. Oh, wow. Okay. And do, you think that's a, do you think that's a pretty good chance of happening? Because, again, they're going to have to – whoever gets him is going to have to make him the highest paid receiver in NFL history. Yep. Do you think there's a pretty good chance that Aaron Rodgers retires? I, I think that there's a very high chance that the Packers break their history and actually use the franchise tag because if they are – just trying to run it back during the small window of Aaron Rodgers that's left. Um, it's not worth signing Devonte to a four year, uh, $85 million contract. Like it's just, it's, it screws them too hard in the future. Whereas um, you can do a little magic and sign him on a franchise tag and keep everything on the level. And we're, we're looking at 2024 is going to have a pretty extensive cap increase. So, people think the Packers are super screwed. Some of the numbers expect that they're only like partially like, like how the saints are still kind of paying Drew Brees, but they're not in super cap hell anymore. You'd be looking at something like that. Well, now if, if Adams leaves, could they convince Rogers to stay with free monthly punch of karma cleanses (laughs) throughout the length of his time in green Bay? It's a pretty good deal. Yeah. You can't beat it. Apparently I've never done it. I never will. Tell you that. That <laughs> well, I've done the throwing terrible. up, but it has nothing to do with with. It has to do with Captain Morgan. It has to do with karma, but but not cleansing. And I'll tell you this: I love ghee. Uh, my company makes ghee. It's awesome. I would not want to go through a scenario where I eat so much of it it comes out both ends. That just sounds horrifying. Doesn't it make does. any sense. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the bears. Uh, you, don't, you don't want to talk about ghee? <laughs> well, I mean, I do, but not in that context. It's uh, That was a chilling rundown of what that cleanse was all about. But uh, the Bears went through a cleanse of the, their own. Here we go. Nice segue. Little, little nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, they replaced Ryan Pace with Ryan Poles. They replaced Matt Nagy with Matt Everflus. So uh, we didn't – the Bears are traditionally – thought of as a cheap organization it's not really true but you know they're they're thought of that way um so they did save some money on the nameplates so that's good i like ryan poles young guy a lot of energy comes from an offensive line background was an offensive lineman at boston college um, was actually a udfa of the bears uh out of boston college so that's kind of fun there's a picture of ryan poles with a bears jersey uh from when he came out uh, in his rookie season. I think that's pretty cool. Um, he makes a, you know, a meteoric rise. We'll, yeah, obviously we'll see if it works out, but he is a guy that seems like he's focused on the offensive line. He did a really nice job of helping rebuild that chiefs offensive line this last year where they went in and got a couple guys that I really liked. 
that that came in and, and really solidified that offensive line right away. The Bears need that. They're going to need to figure out a center. They're going to need to decide what what they're going to do with James Daniels, who's a young player um, on the offensive line, but a guy that I'll be curious to see what they think of his film. Cody Whitehair fell off a cliff last year. I don't know if that was injury related or not. So they have real big questions in the interior. Uh, they got saved by Jason Peters to play a lot of good left tackle last year. Otherwise, uh, Justin Fields, you know, might be hurt forever. Uh, and and he was forty years old. Like he's not going to come back. Uh, Tevin Jenkins had back surgery, so you hope and he played a little bit, looked pretty good in limited time. So you hope that he can nail down one of those spots. But they have to figure out the vast majority of that offensive line this year. They have one wide receiver under contract. Uh, Darnell Mooney, who's a good player, um, but you need more than one wide receiver in the year 2022. And they have like seven starters signed on defense. So this idea that the Bears have a lot of cap space is kind of funny and laughable because they really don't when you look at how many starting positions they have to fill. Um, I don't know much about Matt Everflus. He's the one guy that I really didn't have a strong opinion on. He was not a former head coach. A lot of the defensive guys all were former head coaches um, that were getting interviews. He has not been a head coach before. Um, I thought they'd go offense. I thought that Brian Dayball was an obvious fit because of what he did with with, uh, Josh Allen. It seemed like Justin Fields was a very natural progression for him to go from Josh Allen to Justin Fields and and try to install something similar there. We're going to get the great Getze from the Packers to be the offensive coordinator. And so we'll see uh, what, what he can do with Justin Fields. They built an interesting staff. It's a, it's a, it's a staff that I think is um, has a lot of potential. And uh, this year is all going to be about surrounding Justin Fields with protection and with weapons to see if he is a guy. That's the state of the Bears right now. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just, uh, so I'm just thinking about Justin Fields um, and I, I really think the Bears missed the boat on hiring Jim Caldwell, maybe not even as a head coach, but bringing him in as a quarterback coach and just having him on staff in some way. It's just weird to me. You have this quarterback who clearly he has a lot of potential, can be a great quarterback, and you hire a defensive coach to coach him. And I just thought that the line, the Bears really missed the boat there. Uh, what What are your thoughts on on how that's going to affect Justin Fields and and Who's on staff right now that's going to help this kid get better? Right. That it's it's uh, there's more things that can go wrong when you take this path. It was very interesting. I again, I I thought they're going to sweep out both Pace and and Nagy last year. That's what needed to happen. It was pretty obvious that these guys had gone to the end of the rope, but George McCaskey, who's chairman of the board, he really wants to win one for mom. Mom, Virginia McCaskey, George Hallis's daughter. She's like 98 years old. So we were trying to win one for her before um, she passes. So he thought the best thing to do there was to try to take one more shot with, with Nagy and you know give him Andy Dalton and, and see what could happen. Well, uh, obviously that didn't work very, very clearly obvious. And there was more fracture between Pace and, and Nagy than, than we had expected. And so Last year at this time, or last year towards the end of the year, I had really been pushing Dayball and Arthur Smith. I thought that would that was the, what you needed to do to bring in a more proven offensive mind. And Dayball didn't get a job last year, and so he just remained as my number one all you know during the year. I followed the Bills a lot just because I, I thought it was such an obvious fit. 
particularly when you started to see what, what Fields was doing. Field, when I went to camp, Fields didn't get any reps with the first team. None. Never got reps with the first team. Got to give him the Andy Dalton, apparently. So he had he started off as the third string quarterback and worked his way up to the second string bef- you know, before the year started. And Matt Nagy had no intention of starting Justin Fields. It was an injury to Andy Dalton that brought Fields in. And once that happened, there was pressure to keep him playing. So he had no prep. So this idea that he, you know, well, he looked terrible. Yes, he did. But it's also like the guy didn't have any prep with the first team. There, there's a reason why he, he didn't look very good with, with, with Allen Robinson all year. So he never had, pre- he never had practice mm-hmm. rest with him until the middle of the year. So I think that it may, it would make a lot of sense if you had an offensive mind leading. I, I, I don't, I don't know why you'd go defensive coach, but that's what they did. And Getsy, who maybe Matt can speak to a little bit more, has a lot of really positive reviews. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. He was he was with uh, he was with Rogers the last couple of years, but he he's not just a, a Lafleur type guy. He's he's kind of been around. He's got some some uh, diverse experience, and so I'm at least intrigued to see to see what he can do. Caldwell was the final was a finalist. He was one of the final three guys. I don't know if he just didn't have any interest coming in in an assistant role, or if Everflus didn't have a connection with him. Um, that was certainly one path that made a lot of sense. I, I don't really love the idea of hiring an older coach where you have this young quarterback where you maybe want to try to pair him with a guy that's going to be there for a long time. I think Caldwell's in his mid sixties um, at this point, so I, I wasn't really that wasn't my top offensive mind. Right there, there were a couple of guys that I would have rather seen uh, paired with Justin Fields, but there there are more opportunities for the machinery to break down when you have a defensive head coach. And then, you know, we, we lived that with the Lovey Smith years where we just kept, we had really great defense, but we kept recycling offensive minds. Uh, so I'm worried. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty nervous, but I'm obviously going to go in hopeful that with a full off season and with rebuilding uh, it, with Ryan Poles coming in and rebuilding around Justin Fields uh, and, and him getting all the reps that this is the year to evaluate him. I, I got a question was, was, uh, Matt Nagy on board with drafting Justin Fields. You talk about, you know, Dalton getting all the first-team reps in camp. Obviously, the Bears traded up in front of the Minnesota Vikings and stole him out from underneath me. Um, and and it will irritate me until the day I die. But but be that as it may, you know, he, he said he he, he didn't get practice. He, and and when, when he did play, it felt like the Bears were running an offense that did not Totally. Did not play to Justin Fields' strength. It was like it looked very much in in the in the several games I saw him play, very much a square peg and a round hole kind of thing. Um, a is is that accurate? And and B, what are the Bears? What kind of offense do you see the Bears trying to run to maximize this kid's talent? Because I I do believe I'm like if you guys don't know I'm an Ohio State fan. I I do believe he's a, a very talented kid and, and could have a lot of success in the NFL. So Nagy had no interest in playing him. That's why I didn't give him rest, uh, reps in, in the preseason. And Nagy's system is this – I don't even know what his system is. That That's the problem. He'd been there long enough tonight, and I can't tell you what his system <laughs> is. That's an issue, right? But he, he clearly wasn't someone who wanted to adapt what he had to the talent around him. He thought that what he – you know, in his mind, this is what the system is, and this is how we run it. And so when he came in, uh, when Justin came in, 
you know, they're running short hitch routes. They're running static routes and they're running static routes with fast wide receivers. They, they made a point to go out and, and sign Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin. Now, these are not, um, you know, fantastic wide receivers, but they're fast. They can stretch the field. Right. And they're having Marquise Goodwin run hitches. Like, what are we doing? And, and, and all of these routes were just these static routes. And you can tell early on that Fields' processor was was a little bit too slow. And so he would kind of wait on routes. He didn't necessarily have that NFL open mentality where he was going to fire in those short routes. But that's not what he did well. And so many of these quarterbacks coming out, their offensive coordinators are putting them in a position to succeed. They're, they're Hey, this is what you did in college well. We're going to incorporate a lot of that into this offense, and we're going to start building – layering that other stuff that we need in a professional offense on top of it and sort of transition you over into this pro system. And, and Nagy never did that. There was, there was very little play action ever, which is clearly going to be what Justin Fields is good at and, and what, he, what he'll excel at. Very little design runs for, for, for Fields, very little moving the pocket, trying to get him out to make plays, which is what he's good at. And very little deep passing game, which is, that is his superpower. He is excellent in deep ball accuracy. And so no play action, no deep balls, not moving the pocket. You want him to play like Andy Dalton? You want him to play like Nick Foles? Then why are you drafting him, right? That doesn't make any sense. And so to me, that's just a complete failure on the coaching staff and, and on the coaches. Whether or not he was on board to draft him, I don't know. Um, but he certainly didn't know how to use him. I've got a question for Lions fans, if there's any watching. Um, Lions fans are very high on bringing in Allen Robinson. And uh, obviously there's some connection there. Allen's from Detroit. and uh, But last year he had a really rough year. Only caught, uh, what, 38 balls for 410 yards and a touchdown, I think. Do you think that that is because of uh, Justin Fields struggling or is Allen Robinson kind of trending downwards as a player should the lions be interested in him or should they stay as far away as possible i like alan robinson he's a friend of the pod he was on on this podcast and so i'll, I'll never speak honestly he is right and he's done a lot of good work in the chicago community um i think that detroit is actually a really great landing spot for him he's from there he can take the same charitable work there i honestly think that he would he would do well there um, he, he got some bad advice. This is my opinion, but he got some bad advice from his agent. They had a pretty solid offer on the table, maybe not a maximized offer. He probably, he thought he was worth 10% more than what they were offering or 15% more, whatever the details are. There was a pretty good offer on the table. He thought that he needed more, didn't sign it. And so he put himself, I think in a bad position and, he came back and I think he, in a lot of ways, kind of quit on the team. Um, I don't think that he had that same professionalism and fervor. And I think he let the frustration get to him a little bit. He's not a guy to publicly spout that too much. He does get into like the Twitter mentions, like someone talks crap about him. He'll like, like it and he'll save it. Right. He's, he's kind of like got that passive aggressive kind of thing down. But I think that he, I think he failed in in terms of giving maximum effort this year, and and I think that Bears fans are kind of done with him. Um, by the end of the year, he was he, he's not a guy that the Bears drafted. They signed they signed him. I, I was I was a I was leading that charge 
when he got he went down in week one in a Jaguars uniform, I was like, this guy's going to hit free agency because of this injury. I want him on the Bears. And I started like just pounding like, hey, Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson. Um, I think he's got skill, but I think that his he just got bad advice. He let it sour and he kind of he kind of pouted his way through this 2021. Well, he's not going to play for the Lions because federal law mandates that all ex-Bears receivers <laughs> at some point play with the Minnesota Vikings. And that's going back to the halcyon days of Bobby Wade and Dwayne Bates. So, sure. Uh, <laughs> and Devin Aramashadu. Devin Aramashadu, um, Marcus Robinson, who Brad Childers cut on Christmas Eve. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's long, it's, long, well, it's long. Funny is- on my podcast, it's a running joke. We always find a way to mention Devin Aramashadu just because of his name. Sure. <laughs> I, honestly, but, that's not how I say it. So now I'm worried that I've been saying it wrong. I've been saying it Aramashadu. I mean, that's the thing. Like, well, it, you know, it's funny. So Packers tight end Bob Tunyon, um, everyone had been calling him Bob Tanyan most of his career, and in his like third year, he he was at a at the podium and was like. By the way, my name is pronounced like Funyun. <laughs> <laughs> Which is even better. A tight so, end that rhymes with Funyuns. So there you go. Like maybe it's Romashadu or Aramashadu or, or whatever. Like I don't know. When we I mention like, him a lot on, on reporting is eligible. When I was writing on, on Daily Norseman, I just called him I just called him DA the district attorney because I, I did not want to spend an hour looking up his name and spelling it because I just I, I yeah, you gotta have it. a hot key for that. Yeah. yeah, we got we got a guard in Detroit whose name I he's been here for two years. I still can't say it. I don't even try. It's it's like Hala Puliti Vitae. I cannot figure out how to say his first name. He's from Jer- the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. If Jeremy was on this podcast right now, he could nail it. He nails it every time. I think he practices in front of a mirror every night before bed. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced. Is that yeah. how it's? I, we call I him big. We call him Big V because it's so much easier. Sure, that makes there sense. you go. Well, hey All man, right. I, I still can't say Giannis last name. So, Anthony Kumpo. And, and yeah, Anthony Kumpo. There we go. How's that? Anthony Kumpo. A ten of a ten. Yeah, I don't know. Just like Wisconsin had. Um, uh, uh, Dare o- Ogunbowale for a long time, and I was like, I don't know, how to say that dude's name. <laughs> yeah, I think Ottawale Ogunlie was probably one of the one of those names for a lot of people. Um, but all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick break unless one of you guys have more Bears questions. What no, are your thoughts good. on Tim Bianca Patuka? Now that we're talking, sure. About I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all time I hate name. him. I all hate him. Three hundred yards against Ohio State. How we had? How could that possibly happen? <laughs> and his name is Tim is shortened. It's like you know, that's a long name too. Yeah, it's like uh, Tim is stronger, isn't it? Yeah, right. There you go. All right. Quick break. We'll be back for round robin. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys. So let's go through these questions and throw any more out. But I want all of us to respond to each of these questions. We'll make it kind of quick hitting because uh, we've, we've already bounced out over an hour here. But from your perspective, uh, and let's just pretend that we all believe to some degree that if things break right, your team could compete for, for, for these titles. But what is who, who is the team that you fear the most in this upcoming season, 2022? Let's start with Ted. In the division? In the division. Uh, if if Aaron Rodgers comes back, Green Bay. If not, if, if Rodgers retires, who's the answer? I, I think either Minnesota or Chicago. I, I, I think Detroit's two years away. Mike, what about you? So, yeah, I mean, if Green – if Pack, uh, yeah, Jesus. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, it's Green Bay Packers. Otherwise, you know, I, I have a hard time, but picking between these two teams – I'm going to have to go with the Vikings because I just don't think the Bears are are ready yet. I, I just don't know what that coaching staff is doing there with, with Justin Fields. So I'm going to go with uh, with the Vikings. Matt? Um, if if Aaron Rodgers comes back, I am most afraid of the Packers shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, I'm actually afraid of the Lions. I think that they really do have like oh. a puncher's chance of sneaking into the playoffs with a wild card. Um, I think the NFC North is a lot weaker than people think it is. And without Aaron Rodgers, I think that the Lions do have like that sneaky chance of going in. He said our name. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I actually think I agree with you, Matt, because I, I and I think part of it is that I, I just don't think Kirk Cousins is very good, but I think it's because he's played so terrible against the Bears. Like, like of all the of all the teams that he's played, he just really is not good against Chicago. He, he has and, been and so bad against the Bears. I don't know what it is, but you know, and and so I I think that if Rogers comes back, look, he's two MVPs. I, I mean, I can hate on the Packers all I want, but you know, it's it's ridiculous. And and how many times he just burned the Bears' house down, even in games that the Bears should have won. It's just it's it's dumb um but you know if he does leave for whatever reason or he suffers a collarbone injury or whatever it is i I, i'm kind of oddly afraid of of this culture and more talent coming in in detroit with another high pick and you know extra picks from the stafford trade and all that that they'll be feisty and and I'm and I'm not sh- and I think that the Vikings are going to be disappointing, and I'm not sure the Bears are ready to be feisty. I, I will see what happens with this with this off season, and so I could see there being very underwhelming division with the Lions just just having a little bit more fight. So that's the team that I'm kind of 
most fearful in a non Aaron Rodgers world. But what about three seasons from now? So we so we get that like okay maybe the Lions are ready or maybe Rodgers is gone in three years, right? Like who are you most fearful of in 2024? Ted, we'll start with you again. Um, I'm going to say either Chicago or Detroit. I, I and and I I base that off of how does how does Justin Fields develop? Does he develop? Um, you, you guys talked about, I, I like, I like Dan Campbell. We all made fun of the kneecap comment at his introductory press conference, but he's a guy that, 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 that team plays exceptionally hard for. Um, and if, and if they can, if they can hit on a couple drafts, sign a couple free agents there, I agree with you guys. I, I, I still think they're a year away, but, but they can be a very dangerous team. And and then for the bears, I think it just completely depends on um, the, the development of, of Justin Fields. I, I kind of agree with you, JB. I, the, the Eberflus hire was, was kind of weird in terms of, you know, having a young quarterback, but if they can unlock his potential, that they're going to be a very tough football team as well. Mike, can I say the lions? <laughs> sure. You did, man. <laughs> because look, man, I, you know, I really, I really believe in what this team is doing. I really believe in fr- from, from the, the top to the bottom. I mean, like all the way up to Sheila Ford Hamp just being super involved with the franchise, first Ford family member to ever be this in, involved. Love Brad Holmes. Their first, his first draft class was uh, overwhelming success. Uh, I, I think that the Lions absolutely can build something here. And three years from now, I think they could be the best team in the division. And Matt, are you at all mentally prepared to not be the front runner? Oh, absolutely. Down? For the last thirty years, <laughs> absolutely. Bring on, bring on the lean years. The the um, kind of three years from now, the Packers are going to be awful. Like, like unless unless they magically hit on a quarterback who's like a monster out of the gate, like a Joe Burrow esque. Um, three years from now, the Packers are going to be bad. Three years from now, if if the Bears have not killed Justin Fields on the field, I believe that they are going to be the front runners. Um, I believe that the Lions will become victims of their own success. I think that they're going to be pretty good for the next year or two, um, which will then give them middling draft picks instead of top 10 picks, and they will be married to Jared Goff. So three years from now, they will go back to being mediocre. <laughs> He's only after being pretty good. For like one more year. <laughs> you're, you're saying they're going to extend him? Yes. I don't know if I can handle that. That's what I, I truly, I truly think that what's going to happen is that the Lions are going to be pretty good next year, and then potentially just as good the year after. Goff gets an extension. You are then married to him for the foreseeable future, and you're picking in the in the low twenties instead of the top ten, and it it kills you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so three years from now, I'm terrified of the Bears. So I, I'm going to agree with you because I want that to happen. But also, in three years, the Bears have the only potential viable solution at quarterback right now. doesn't mean that the other three teams won't get one, but it's so hard to get, and we don't really see that obvious. And maybe Malik Willis is the guy, but there's still 10 teams that want quarterbacks in this draft, and they're going to have to find a path to develop him. Right. So maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's uh, maybe can it, can he pick it can overcome his, you know, small fingers. Right. Like, like, you know, it, I don't think so. Like he wasn't very impressive with the senior bowl, but like I, the Justin Fields might not work out. It might not work out, but if it does, finally, 
after my entire life of searching for a quarterback, the Bears might have the guy. And so as Bears fans, that's the hope. Nothing else is there. I mean, you've got a couple of nice pieces on defense. Maybe Tevin Jenkins is the guy on the offensive line. He, he looks mean. He's big. But it's it, man. Like, you don't have anything else. I mean, Darnell Mooney's a nice wide receiver, too. That's it. <laughs> like you really don't have a lot. So it's 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 gonna it's a it, it's a complete rehaul. But you've got the most important. You potentially have the most important piece figured out. So, look, man, I, I having the great quarterback isn't always what it's cracked up to be. We had a great quarterback for twelve years. We have nothing to show for it. True. I think the Bears need to focus on on building around Justin Fields instead of hoping that Justin Fields. Is well, of course. Him. <laughs> of course I want that. That's exactly what I think this offseason's, you know, starting, you know, you have to protect him and give him weapons. And they have to keep doing that. They have to do that until they figure that out. But that's a lot easier than that piece is a lot easier than getting the quarterback piece figured out. They lucked into a, a lot of things happening for him to fall as far as he did for the Bears to be able to trade up to get him. Like that does not that does not make any sense what happened in that draft last year. <laughs> It was one two with him and Lawrence all offseason, and then all of a sudden he tumbles down ten spots. Like nothing makes sense about that. The Bears you know, we can we can skip life. this part if you want to. <laughs> that you doesn't the, make sense. The part where they trade up over the Vikings. Uh, that makes sense. Can I add one thing about Kenny Pickett? Please. So it is very much my brand to insult the way the combine measures hands. I think it's stupid. I think it has nothing to do with yeah. So I have very flexible hands. So right. because of that, my hands are big by NFL measurement. You can stand, so, stand um, Yeah, I can stretch my hands a lot. And according to the NFL, I have nine and a half inch hands, but I wear size medium gloves. Yeah. So, um, Kenny Pickett's hands, regardless of how not flexible they are, are an inch shorter than mine at least. He would have the smallest hands in the history of the NFL. I do think that matters. Yeah, it's Dave Craig. I mean, Dave Craig led the league in fumbles. I mean, the small hand, there is a a threshold. Like there is a minimum threshold you want to be able to grip the ball and be able to hold on to it when you get hit. So I'd be very worried about Kenny Pickett. But um, yeah, I I, I wear XL gloves and I think I measured them out and it was like 10 inches or something like that. And so it's like, you know, I I missed my calling. I was at least 50 pounds too fat to be a quarterback my entire playing (laughs) career. So um, let's move on to another question that, I like we're, we're going to eliminate the quarterback. So Ted, you can't steal Justin Fields here, but who's the one non quarterback on the other three teams in the division that you would steal for your roster and why? Devontae Adams. I mean, if I, I mean, I, I'm sorry, but Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams on the same team. I mean, even Kirk Cousins could take that team to the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously, I, I mean, I, yeah, you could talk about the Vikings defense, and and I, I get all that, but Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson would just be entertaining week in and week out. Mike, yeah, I mean Devontae Adams. Unless is Danny Vitale still on the Packers? No, he was okay. a Patriot, and then now he's out of the league. Devontae Adams, then. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, he's the best receiver in the NFL, and the Lions desperately need help at receiver outside of Amon Amon Ross St. Brown, but. Yeah, dude, that would be amazing. Jared Goff to Devontae Adams, make it happen. All right, Matt, you can't steal Devontae Adams because he's on your team. Yeah, I, well, I would make the Vikings sign Devontae Adams, then I would steal him. So they, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I would, 
I would take Amon Ra St. Brown so we could make the St. Brown Voltron. Oh, we we, we would then get the third brother and and then combine all of the the St. Brown brothers into the ultimate wide receiver trio. That's that's a that's a choice. Um, <laughs> I, I I love I love the wide receiver choices. I would love to steal Justin Jefferson. I think that's great. But I want to give Mike a little love. I would actually I would actually take Penny Sewell. And I would I would stick him on the left tackle. He's young. He's going into his second year. And I'd, I'd put Tevin Jenkins back on the right side where he should be. And I and I would have two bookend tackles on on rookie deals for the next three years to solidify the bookends for Justin Fields. I would make sure that he's protected. That that that's what I would do. I really like Penesol. I think he's going to be a good one. Can Question. we go off? Can we go off topic for just one second? Sure. Should the Bengals have taken Penesol? No. I, I think that they they were right in taking in taking Chase just because of the connection and the it, it, I, I think it's I think it was fine but um, they, they don't go to I wouldn't have done it they don't go to the Super Bowl if they if they draft Sewell I wouldn't have done it I would have taken Sewell but but I, I think that they justified it with how explosive I think were. they don't make the Super Bowl without Chase but if they magically had Sewell they win the Super Bowl like but without Devontae Adams. Would you guys pick? Would you still pick a Packer? Would you take David Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins or someone like that? Is Danny Vitale on the team still? <laughs> <laughs> I would take Jenkins before I would take Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari's yeah. over. He's he's incredibly well paid. I was gonna say overpaid, but that's not really fair. He's I, I, like no NFL player is overpaid. Um, right. He's very highly paid. Yeah. Which which would which would take out a lot of my salary cap, and then he's. He's been injured a lot, and he's on the back end of his career. And so, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, I hate the fact that he his technique is by the book holding. Um, and it's I've not. been bitching about it. I mean, like, I'm sorry, I played the position, and and like, you got to get in here. And he goes outside, and I get that, like, they're not calling it, and like, he's like controlling them and all that. But like, by definition, he's holding them on the outside. I couldn't cheer for it. I just couldn't, as a former offensive lineman, I couldn't do it. Hey, you know what? Tom Clements is going to bring the Packers hug to Chicago, and you know, are going to have to I'm watch really it. I'm really worried about it. I have, I have, I'm honestly a little worried about like, am I going to have to flip and defend this? Because I'm not, I'm not super excited about it. Did you, did you notice how Campen went to the, was it the, the Texans? And even though they were terrible, their, their offensive line was no longer a joke. Well, they're not going to call holding every time. That's, that's part exactly. of it. But, it got David Bakhtiari a lot of money. No, I honestly like. I, I'd much rather have an elite, a, a guy that looks like he can be an elite young young player on an early deal, so that I can get those early years out of him. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steal overpriced veterans. There you go. Devondre Campbell would be nice. I know he's a free agent. It's possible that the Lions could sign him. They won't, but it would be nice to have a great linebacker like that. So I'll tell you this: the Packers have gone. Um, most of my life without a great inside linebacker. They finally get an all-pro inside linebacker for the first time in over a decade. Um, and their defense went from top 10 in EPA to 16th in EPA. <laughs> so I, I personally think inside linebacker is the running back of the defense and that they're just kind of there to do cleanup and, and take hits. Uh, but do you, man. <laughs> I will. <laughs> nice to have a guy that can cover and carry a guy up the field right like a guy like roquan has been able to do that in, in coverage and he's valuable but i think there's a couple other i'd rather have a lockdown corner 
to, to start with. I'd, I'd, I'd steal Jair before I'd steal uh, Campbell. But next question. Now, this is kind of getting to rivalries. I've always kind of w- wondered about this because Bears-Packers is the historic rivalry. It has not been a competitive rivalry for a very long time. But what, what team in the division do you feel the most satisfaction when you beat them? Ted. Uh, Green Bay. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, I will say Green Bay, but beating because it hardly ever happens the, the Vic, when the Vikings can manage to beat Chicago in Soldier Field, that's an incredibly satisfying feeling. I think they've got like four wins there in like the last 20 to 25 years. It's, it's ridiculous how weird games go for the Vikings at Soldier Field. I mean, beating Green Bay is, is beating Green Bay. And if the Vikings ever feel they, they, have, they have a chance to win the division, they, they've got to be Green Bay to do it. Um, but beating the Bears at Soldier Field is, is like an accomplishment. It's like, it's like a hang-the-banner accomplishment for the Vikings <laughs> anymore. It's unbelievable. Mike, what about you? Oh, it's Green Bay all the way. <laughs> I mean, anytime you can beat the Packers, it's like a holiday. I mean, the, the Lions were, you know, obviously the worst, one of the worst teams in the league, and they beat the Packers in Week 18, and it was everybody celebrated. It was the greatest day ever, uh, you know. So yeah, and beating the Bears, just like just like uh, Ted said, it's you know, it's a thing. I, for some reason, Lions fans have absolutely no problem with the Vikings. We love you guys. I don't know why. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I I don't. We all just get along. It's yeah. A weird thing. yeah. It is. It kind of is. Yeah. Matt, I'm curious because you beat so, everybody. So what's um, the, the, I see the Packers bears rivalry is more of like a sibling rivalry and there's like a level of respect there. Um, Ted, notwithstanding the Vikings fans are the most toxic fan base when it comes to the Packers. What? <laughs> um, that's okay. Yeah, Any, that's, I have, I, I have been, I have been invited on Pride of Detroit many times. I've had a great time with them. I have a great relationship with those guys. Their comment section hates me. Um, they they they're very mean. Me. What's that? It's because they think you're me. Yeah, are they mean to you too? <laughs> no, they love me. Oh, well, but um, Daily Norseman commenters and Vikings fans on Twitter are aggressively toxic. They come and find me. <laughs> Um, so I, I love beating the Vikings because I, I'm the kind of person where I will not start an argument unless I'm 90% sure I win it. And I will not talk crap until the, the clock hits zero. And so I will absolutely do victory laps on Vikings fans. I just won't talk crap during the game. I, I, I try and talk. The, the only thing I really like jibe Packers fans about is, is the ownership thing. And I, my, my commander, I've, uh, I, I still work for the Department of Defense, and, and as a civilian, and my commander is a Packers fan. He's got his Packers stock hanging on the wall in his office, and and he's a he's a great dude. That, that's the thing. Most Packers fans, even if they even if they buy the the stock, they're 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 great folks, and it's it's fun to go back and forth. And I Twitter Twitter's just like been the worst thing ever for for look man sports rivalries. It is. It has been. As an owner, I respect <laughs> your. <laughs> I knew it. I knew there it. There we go. Oh, okay. Okay. Let me let me just let me put this the ownership thing to rest. I fully understand that I made a three hundred dollar donation to my team. Okay. My donation goes to improve the, the Lambeau field as a whole instead of taxing the local residents. I paid three hundred dollars to be able to be a legal Wii fan. 
<laughs> when everyone else says we did this and we did that, you have no part of your team. I paid three hundred dollars to be able to say we with <laughs> when referring to the Packers. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> You, you paid for the urinal cakes for two weeks. <laughs> yes, sir. Don't care. If they put my face on them and Packer fans are peeing on me, Lambo, I don't care because I am a part owner. <laughs> I, I, I felt that way a little bit with – I grew up a Hawkeye fan, and I went to UNI as an undergrad, and then I went to Oregon State for my first graduate degree. And I, I got an MBA, but I, I got it in Iowa, and I felt like I can now kind of like say we – when we talk about the Hawkeyes, uh, just a little bit more because now I got the degree, I got the little piece of paper. Um, that was a lot more expensive than three hundred dollars, though. So I, uh, you might have been on something there. I think that if most fan base, I think it's just it's obnoxious. That's that's the problem. Is the the, the whole ownership thing is is pretty obnoxious. But I think that if any other team in the league had some sort of fan club and sold like a stock kind of equivalent to the fan club there would be plenty of people that would do it and they would send you a certificate and you'd put it on your wall. And a lot of fans are kidding themselves that they wouldn't do the same thing. It's the fact that you call yourself an owner. And and I think in a lot of ways, ownership implies um, that you can transfer that ownership uh, and that you could sell it for some sort of value. There is no way for you to do that. It doesn't appreciate. It doesn't give dividends or anything like that. It's a fundraising effort. It's like buying a brick and getting your name on a brick that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the the idea that you own it, it, it lacks some of the uh, definition of ownership. And, sure. that, and that's, and that's, and I'm, you know, I write in part for a living, you know, words, words are powerful. Words have meaning. So, uh, so there's that. I will say the, the big difference in Packers ownership versus doing the, like buying a brick thing, because we call ourselves owners and the Packers are technically publicly owned. 31 other teams benefit off of that. The I should say fans of 31 other teams. The teams hate it. The Packers financials are public. Everything that the that the NFL fan sure. public knows about financials related to the NFL is because of the Green Bay Packers. So that word owner means just enough to mean that they have to release their financial statements. That's fair. And um, kudos to George Hallis, who bailed you guys out of a, a big financial pit so that you could survive <laughs> and be here today to torment this franchise after George Hallis died. I, um, I just I just finished a book about the history of, of the NFL. Um, it was like seven rivals. Some, God, I can't remember the name. It's killing me now. And Hallis is a big part of it. And like like the the um relationship between Curly and Hallis was like what kept the NFL going. And Very I think cool. that's circling back why I hold the Bears Packers rivalry in such high esteem because it goes that long. It's like sports rivalries in the US don't get traced back to like war-torn nations like they do in in soccer. Um and the Packers Bears is is like the closest that you get in football. Yeah, hundred plus years and people hopping on trains and beating each other up, you know, in the twenties and you know some some crazy stuff. So, um, all right, as as we get to the end here, uh, before we close, I want everybody to go around and say one nice thing about each of the other franchises. Who wants to start? I'll go, Ted. I for for Green Bay, I I absolutely respect the ability to maintain the level of competitive competitiveness you've had for since what 1992 
Uh, and detractors will say, well, it's because of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers back to back. And I, there's truth to that. But look at Matt LaFleur. And, and I, I, I was remiss to not mention him earlier in the McVay coaching tree. That was unintentional. I just slipped my mind. But I, I look at Green Bay, especially this last year. They had, you know, Matt better than me, but what, half of your roster, it seemed at one point, injured and not playing. And and they had you, you had Zadarius Smith missing most of the year. Your your offensive line at one point was nothing but backups, if I if I'm not mistaken. Aaron Rodgers missed a missed a couple games, and they still went 13 and four and ran away with the NFC North. Um, I, I think that's a credit to to Green Bay to, to Matt Lafleur, the the coaching staff, the scouting department, the ability to find guys and 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 maintain you know, big contracts for star players, but still put a quality roster, you know, all the way from player one to player 53. Um, for Detroit, uh, my, I, I, I love Dan Campbell. I, Dan Campbell reminds me of Mike Tice when Mike Tice got hired by the Vikings. I, he, Tice was probably thrown in too early. Um, he said some stuff that made you chuckle and, and, and whatever initially, but then you thought, you know, he's got, he, he's got a chance. And I, I, I hope, the Lions give the resources to, to Campbell that the Red McCombs, the previous owner, never gave Mike Tice. I don't think – I think Tice was always coaching with one hand tied behind his back in terms of resources they gave to his coaching staff and his ability to, to sign free agents. They had a crappy facility in the Metrodome and, and at Winter Park, their old their old headquarters. Um, and if, if the Lions support um, Campbell the way the way it looks like, I, I think he's going to have a ton of success. And, and I – for Lions fans, I would love, other than the Minnesota Vikings to win a Super Bowl, I would love nothing more than to see the Lions win the Super Bowl because you guys have 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 deserve it probably more than any other fan base in the NFL. Other Thank than uh, other than the Vikings fan base, just for obvious reasons. Um, for Chicago, I, I you know I, I'm a big Justin Fields guy. Um, I I think if if Matt Eberflus can un, unlock Justin Fields' potential. Um, you guys are going to go a long ways, and and maybe with any luck, you'll have something other than Super Bowl twenty to talk about. Oh, God. <laughs> because I, I have, I, I have, I have guys, some Bears friends, and whenever we get into an argument, at, at some point, Super Bowl twenty comes into the conversation. And uh, okay, fine, that's cool. And I, I love Walter Payton, and I, I love the the Super Bowl shuffle, and I, I thought that was just a, a great team. But um, I I just think the Bears have the potential to be really good in two or three years and it's and it's because they they got Justin Fields. I hope they can build around him because he was a, a great player to watch at Ohio State and I hope he has success in the NFL except when he plays the Vikings. Mike, you want to go next? Yeah. Um so I'll start with the Vikings. Uh just the nicest people. I, I know that they don't like Matub, but yeah you know, that's not too that's not too that's not much of a stretch. I like Matub. He's a good dude. <laughs> no, I love him. He's he, he's my twin. Um, and, uh, so yeah, just super nice people. Anytime I've had the opportunity to go to Minnesota and cover a game, uh, you know, the, the Minnesota uh, media, some of the guys over there, like Arif Hassan, you know, always kind to me, always, uh, you know, will go out to dinner with me or something the night before. I thought he covered the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's news to me. <laughs> Oh, sorry. It's it's an inside joke. Arif gets a lot of crap oh, okay. about it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't know that one. Um, also, you know, the Vikings. I think have the best building in the entire NFL. The U.S. Bank Stadium is 
unbelievably beautiful. And the people that work there are, are super awesome, very nice, willing to help you, uh, you know, get, you know, find the press box and everything. The, the soldier field is like, yeah, it's up there somewhere. Just just walk till you see another media person. Uh, the, but also the great spread. They'll always order pizza for you after the game. Love the Vikings. Uh, the Bears. I have to thank the Bears for Walter Payton being a thing because that affected my life a lot growing up. And I remember, real quick story, when I was at Boy Scouts, one of the Boy Scout leaders said that Walter Payton was my uncle. And I had people convinced for at least two weeks that it was true. (laughs) (laughs) He's real good at that back in the day. Um, The Packers, you know, gosh, cheese is good. Yeah, sure. I don't think they're responsible for cheese. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, look, you know, I, I, as much as I, I crap on the Packers, they, they, to have a stadium that's like in the middle of a neighborhood, and to be as involved in the community as they are, it's, it's, it's nice to see. You know, I like the bike ride thing that they do every year. It's, it, it. I like that the Packers are super involved in their, their community, even though it's, you know, it's super small. It's kind of a tight knit thing, but. I, I like that. And, and they care about their history and, and Lambeau field is obviously, you know, this beautiful, beautiful stadium that's going to be around forever because of that. So that's my nice thing about the Packers. I hate you all. <laughs> Matt, do you have anything nice to say? Yeah. Uh, so like, I mean, I'm, it's funny as I've said so many nice things this whole podcast, so I could just fall back on those. There's no Packers without the bears. Um, Palace and Lambeau were hand in hand. Uh, it, it's the oldest rivalry in, in NFL. It's one of the oldest rivalry in American sports. And, um, I really feel like there's like this mutual respect there. Like people talk, people have this recency bias of all the Packers have regularly beat the crap out of the bears, but what they don't realize is how close our all time series is that it's, that it's just a couple wins away. Um, I love the history and the, uh, I guess it's you could almost say a camaraderie like between the Packers and Bears fans, and that the that there's always going to be that kind of connection. Um, and also, you guys have a bright future. I really like Justin Fields, and and uh, I think that building a team around him is very possible. Uh, for the Vikings, um, Ted, you're the least ornery boomer I know. <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer, man. I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> <laughs> No, so so for the Vikings, um, similar thing. Like, like there's a lot of young talent on the Vikings team. Like, like yes, Justin Jefferson is absolutely a monster. He runs routes like Devontae Adams with uh, 0.2 faster in the 40. Like, he's absolutely he's he's going to be like a bright future in the league. And somehow, even with depleted defenses, you guys still like like when you have a bad defense, it's still average. Like, like if we're honest, like. Uh, so yeah, the, the Vikings find a way to be competitive every year, even though you have Andy Dalton 2.0, a quarterback, like it's, it's impressive. And the lions, there are no more genuine fans in the NFC North than lions fans. Um, there, there might be, there are people that could possibly take the crown within the NFL, but in the NFC North, it's like the lions just get beat on regularly. And the fans are always there to support their team through thick and thin they love that team they love their city i'm actually if you don't know i am a michigander um 
I grew up 20 minutes north of the Silverdome. But my dad's a youper. That's where my my Packer fandom comes from. Um, and I grew up around the passion that the, that Lions fans have for their team and for their city. And it is it really is Detroit versus everybody. And they take that to heart. And I respect that. Well, I'll say this. Um, you guys can see behind me, obviously, audio doesn't translate, but I have these old Chicago Bears programs that are framed behind me. And this was a story that I wrote about the artists that did these programs, 38 game programs from 1943 through 1961. And the last program that he did was this. I can't do my, my it's backwards. Right here is against the, uh, the Vikings. You can see the little Viking ship there. That's the inaugural season of the Vikings, 1961. Mm-hmm. That's the last program that he did. The one that's right next to it is uh, there's an animated lion that's chasing after uh, a ball with an animated bear. The bear's going to catch it, of course. Um, he's wearing Harlan Hill's jersey. He's from the 1950s. Harlan Hill would have been a Hall of Famer. He was basically putting up Randy Moss numbers uh, back in the 50s, which is ridiculous. And then the top five. All of these that are framed on the top five are games in the 40s against the Packers. There's no Packer mascot, so it's just Bears. Um, but it's you know it's this great rivalry, and and uh, it's just the Bears and some of the best imagery that that has been produced, um, you know, by a Bears artist. And and I so I really dig the the history. And you know, as much as George Hallis started this. Um, you know, started this and, and, you know, the Cardinals go all the way back, but the Cardinals have bounced around forever. Um, you know, George Hallis, you know, is, is huge in, in starting professional football, but there is such a great relationship with the Packers. I grew up in Eastern Iowa and the fan base in Eastern Iowa is like 33% Bears, 33% Packers, 33% Vikings, 1% other. Like that is like how it is. It's, you, you know, as many Packers fans as Vikings fans, as Bears fans, that if you're if you're from that area, and so in a way, you have really good buddies that cheer for those other teams. One of my best friends, his last name's Lombardi. Which franchise do you think he cheers for? Of course, he's a Packers fan, right? But like it, it it's it's just so much in how I grew up with with those three teams, and so um, I, I really respect that about the Packers because there's so much rich history. It doesn't go back as far with the Vikings. It seems like the Vikings and Bears aren't good at the same time. Um, there's there's a lot of times like Bears are struggling, then the Vikings are pretty good, or vice versa. Um, I will say. I really enjoy going to Minnesota as well. I think they did a great job on that stadium. It's so nice of you to put it on Chicago Avenue so that we can feel at home when we come up there. I can't believe that you guys didn't get that changed. Um, it's unbelievable to me. That yeah, your stadium is on I, Chicago I, Avenue. Yeah, um, but nice people. I've always had a good time up there. I, you know, I've, I've worn bear stuff. Um, I, I, the first game I went to was in the, in the dome, um, uh, the, the old dome. And I brought an, old Adrian Peterson jersey that I bought for like $3 at like a TJ Maxx. Um, and I gave it to this fan. Like I just brought it as a peace offering. And this woman who was like a season ticket holder, she was like, oh my God, I've never had a jersey before. This is amazing. And she was like a postal worker. And someone like told me to, you know, shut the F up and sit down. And she turned around, she's like, hey, he's fine. And I was like, <laughs> oh, all right, that's pretty cool. Um, by and large, though, always very welcoming people and always enjoy that. Um, and then um, the Lions fans, I don't know why some so many Lions fans are like edgy at me some sometimes on Twitter, but I, I like that passion. But this is my nice thing about the Lions is that 
I honestly believe that those alternate gray uniforms are one of the best fits in right. the entire league. Right. I love them. They are. I love them. Those are those are about the best alternates in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Half the Lions fans hate them. Oh, I'm man, so glad them. to hear you say that. I love them. Dude, they're they're so good. They're they're so, sweet. They're sweet. Thank you. I'm telling everybody back home. All right, guys. Well, let's let's loop around real quick and talk about the beers. So my beer, Pastrami on Rye from Pipeworks Brewing Company. Um, I want a dozen of these, not at one time because I I don't I can't drink like that. But uh, this is fantastic. This is one of my new favorite beers. I I I think they captured the flavor well, and it was a really enjoyable drink. Had had no problem with it the whole time. Uh, two thumbs up for for Pipeworks on that. Uh, Ted. Uh, this was terrible. It was like watching the Vikings at, at, at Lambeau this past season. It looks disgusting. Uh, I, I yeah, it tasted like I was drinking a grapefruit, and I hate grapefruit, so I switched to I switched to this this world famous Coors Light about uh-huh. halfway through. So yeah, it worked out well. <laughs> Mike, this is definitely I mean my favorite my favorite beer there is. I don't even like stouts, so for me to be drawn to this was was definitely weird. But it is really, really good. I um, I don't know if you can get it outside of Michigan or not, but if if you can, if you know of a way to do that, I highly recommend Fudgy Kruger from Big Lake Brewing. Okay, Matt, I'm drinking. Uh, it's from Walnut. What the hell? Uh, Walnut River in El Dorado, Kansas. There's apparently they actually brew in Kansas. Um, it's called Warbeard. It's an Irish red. I've had three of them. Uh, they're they're very drinkable. <laughs> Uh, as you could listen to my empties, um, I, I'm a, I'm usually a stout drinker, and I I do enjoy Big Lake Brewing. So shout out to Mike for that. Um, but yeah, uh, I I like to support local, and I'm in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, and I found like the only brewery. <laughs> I, I'm surprised they found the water to do it. That's that's yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of groundwater in Kansas. Uh, it's not as much as you think, um, oh. but that's that's my other job. So I'm also I'm basically in Oklahoma, <laughs> I should say. Like, yeah, yeah that's kind of the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Um, go check out these guys' work; they do really good work. Uh, check them out on Twitter. Um, you know, I'll, I'll post this on Twitter. So if you, you find me there, um, we'll, we'll post all their their handles there. Uh, really good guys to follow. If you want to just get a little slice of each team, I recommend following these guys so that you can get some fun and good content from the rest of the division, but not get inundated with a bunch of uh, homerism and, and BS all the time. They, they, they play it pretty straight. They'll call it out like they see it. And, and I really respect all of them for that. So, gentlemen, I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Until next time, we'll uh, leave it there. We'll bring EJ out of the film room soon. I still have him locked up in there because we're still prepping draft coverage, but we should get this ramped up soon. So um, we'll get EJ back on soon. Until then, bear down.